And good morning and welcome to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Mike Miller, your host for today. And every Saturday morning at this time, so we're the only live call-in program, getting pretty much the only live call-in program on the weekends for anything, but especially for money. So we're here to answer your questions. 877-235-9405 is the phone line and also the text line. You can get to us either way. If you're listening by via podcast, then you want to send that question to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com or go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com website and find the Ask Mike a Question line in there and you can submit your question there. I get uh, several inquiries every week. Some are questions, some are just uh, trying to find out if um, if we may be a good fit for them to, to help them personally with their financial planning and investment management and so forth. So we like both those kinds of communications, but we're here to answer your questions today. So we're talking about beneficiary designations today. And I was looking back into the archives and myself, I was looking back into TalkingMoneyRadio.com because I was wondering when was the last time I had a complete discussion about naming beneficiaries, beneficiary designations, and that sort of thing. So the I did a search, and then as you can, just go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com. You'll see a search button at the top. Type in a topic, and it'll come up with the radio shows that have been identified as having at least some part of that show covers that topic. So I found, I put in beneficiaries, and these are the ones I came up with and, and found out it was actually over four years ago. It was uh, 2017 that uh, we discussed that. Of course, this is the 15th year of Talking Money, so I have a lot of things on there. And one of the, and I listened to one of them. There were two shows back-to-back, and we're planning on doing the same thing this time, have uh, this week and next week talking about IRA beneficiaries. And because of the age, those were four years old, tax laws have changed some since then. Most of the, the vast majority of what I said was accurate. And I don't listen to the first one. I didn't listen to the second one yet. I'll do that before next week. Uh, because of the tax laws have changed a little bit, there were a couple things in there that weren't quite right. So always when you're going back to anybody's archives, you Google a search, you Google something and say, I wonder if this is accurate. Look at the date and and make sure that it's going to be accurate based on current information. So if it's something that is on Talking Money the last six months, yeah, it's probably going to be accurate. Um, I think it's going to be accurate from a tax standpoint because you haven't any changes since then. So, but but keep that in mind as you're looking through whether it's mine or somebody else's uh, material to make sure that that something hasn't changed, especially as it relates to distributions or taxes or something like that, and make sure that is is going to be accurate. But it's uh, it's pretty neat to be able to go back in there and check. And and one of the things that that I noticed in the first part of the one session I talked about is the night before I'd had dinner with my son, his family, his wife. At that time, there were no grandchildren. That was kind of hard to believe with three of them now, but with uh, no grandchildren at the time. And he was asking what I was going to speak on for talking money the next day. And I said, I was going to be talking about beneficiaries. And that it was probably going to be taking two Saturdays. And he said, really? beneficiaries is it really that complicated so then i started explaining some of the things i was going to be talking about he's ah okay so it's not as as simple as it would as, uh, appear to be oh you just name your spouse as beneficiary your kids as contingent and you know and everything else is cool right well it doesn't always work that way and of course not every family is set up exactly like that so there's there's multiple families there's there's his and hers and mine kids and there's all different kind of things with divorces that you need to take all those things into consideration when you're trying to determine what is the best way to name a a beneficiary designations but 
anyway, so it's it is at least when I googled, it was very difficult to find. And I thought, well, let me Google. And last night I did that, or yesterday afternoon. Let me Google beneficiaries and see what it comes up with and see what kind of other information is out there. Well, I didn't do an exhaustive search, but the ones that are on the, the main page that comes up didn't have the kind of information that I was planning on covering. Uh, so I thought, okay, this is important. Uh, I need to make sure that uh, that we actually cover this kind of material because it's not being covered other places and giving you advice under specific circumstances and how you should set up those beneficiary designations. So it is a topic I think that is important. And I think it's one that a lot of people should have questions about. So we want your questions as it comes up with, I mean, I was the, you can, you can ask the question about, well, I was the beneficiary on this and I didn't get this money or how is it, how should it be set up with my, my kids or my grandkids? And how, what are some examples of some of those things? That's what we want to talk about uh, today and next week. Before I get into that though, I wanted a little kind of a lighter and somewhat of a, of a not sad topic, but certainly one that says, okay, this is a concern because some of these quotes I'm going to give you were quotes from years and years ago, but they sound like they're still applicable uh, today. So we, we finish, we, we uh, celebrate Memorial day, celebrate a lot of uh, days in the holidays in the year where we're celebrating the freedom of our country, celebrating those who, who, died and sometimes we get to thinking that okay well there's not much i can do well there is something you can do uh, and and you need to be reminded of that how important it is to get the right people in our government to make sure that things get done the way we want to so some of you have heard some of these before it goes back i just ran across this as i was going through my notes from 2017 i ran across some of this stuff and i got I got stacks of of notes and material from going back. For, you can imagine fifteen years worth of stuff that I've got a lot of material that uh, we could we could go on for a long time and not have any anything new and just repeat some of those things and we'd be fine. Um, but uh, these are these. This was entitled "Great Truths." It was an email I received years ago, like six years ago. It says, uh, "In my many years, I have come to a conclusion that one useless man is a shame, two is a law firm." And three or more is a Congress. So sometimes that's the way we feel, isn't it? Uh, and that was by John Adams. So how far back does that go? Uh, Mark Twain said, if you don't read the newspaper, you are uninformed. If you do read the newspaper, you are misinformed. You might have heard that one too. And Winston Churchill, I contend that for a nation to try to tax itself into prosperity is like a man standing in a bucket and trying to lift himself up by the handle. And then uh, this one says, uh, George Bernard Shaw said, a government which robs Peter to pay Paul can always depend on the support of Paul. Uh, I know many of you have heard that one. And then another one, uh, PJ O'Rourke, he says, giving money and power to government is like giving whiskey and car keys to a teenage boy. And that just sounded too true, the way that uh, the way they seem to wheel money around like like nothing, like it's just water. Uh, PGO work said, uh, in general, let's see, if you think healthcare is expensive now, wait until you see what it costs when it's free. Boy, and that is true. And pretty much anything the government says is going to be free. It's education, whatever it is. Um, anyway, try not to get too political here, but I, we just, we know we need to, to do things to keep this freedom so we can even have beneficiary designations. Uh, Voltaire, this is 1764. In general, the art of government consists of taking as much money as possible from one party of the citizens to give to the other. Yeah, and that's basically true. The government 
does not make any money. The government doesn't make any money. Uh, they have to take money from somebody else to give it to somebody else. They don't make money. They don't create jobs. It was funny. I listened to to, to President Biden talk about the, the problems he's having getting his new stimulus package in there and says it's it's hindering the creation of jobs that I want to do. No, no. The things you're kind of doing is just spending money. That is not creating jobs. Uh, Winston Churchill said the inherent vice of capitalism is the unequal sharing of the blessings. The inherent blessing of socialism is equal sharing of misery. I thought that was pretty good. And the last one, Thomas Jefferson, a government big enough to give you everything you want is strong enough to take everything you have. And we need a lot more education in our in our school systems to help educate people as to why that is the case and people thinking, I want this for free and that for free, not realizing that, well, you get that for free. Somebody else is going to pull those purse strings and somebody else is going to be telling you what you can do, what you can't do. And then once they get that free thing and then they see all the strings attached to it, oh, I changed my mind. I don't like that anymore. Too late. Uh, You've already given up your freedom. Not going to work that way. All right. So we come back from the break. We'll start this this fascinating conversation about beneficiary designations. We want to make sure that your money goes where you want it to go and that it makes your heirs, H-E-I-R-S, heirs, lives a lot easier when you're gone. You don't want them cursing you while you're in the grave. Not that you'll hear them, but it's still you want to make you don't want to make their lives miserable because you didn't set things up the way they should have been set up. So we want to make sure that you do the right thing. We're going to be talking about that when we get back. We'll be right back with the second segment of Talking Money in just a couple of minutes. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust sponsor Talking Money to help educate listeners about financial planning so you have the information needed to help you make more informed and hopefully better decisions. When a Ronald Blue Trust advisor meets with prospective clients, their goal is to determine if any of our services are a good fit for them. They don't sell any products like annuities or life insurance, and as a fiduciary, work to serve your best interest. Perhaps you just need a financial physical from the Everyday Steward Division without any ongoing monitoring, or you're about to retire and need to work with the Private Wealth Division to map out a financial path and then help implement and continuously monitor that plan. Ronald Blue Trust Advisors act like your quarterback, coordinating the advice you receive from your accountant, your estate attorney, life insurance agent, and in some instances, even your investment advisor. You can learn more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. We're coming up at about oh, 20 minutes after the hour. Glad you're with us here on Talking Money. This is Mike Miller, your host. So we're talking about beneficiary designations, and that can be your life insurance. That can be your 401k. It can be your IRA, Roth IRA, or traditional IRA. It can be an annuity. It can even be a brokerage account if you put on a transfer on death or a payable on death beneficiary designation on that. All those are beneficiary designations. One thing they have in common is that they all avoid probate. And then the second question to that is then, okay, is that always a good idea? Well, it's not. And sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. But it's it's something we want to try to clarify today to make sure you have that straight. So people uh, don't check their beneficiary designations, I think, often enough. I think too often it's an assumption, I'm sure, because people, especially new clients, when they come in to see us, you know, you'll ask them who your beneficiary is. You'll ask them who 
they want to get their money, how, how's their state documents set up, and then they'll tell you the answer based on how they are thinking then, but then you go back and you, and you actually read the documents, you see the beneficiary designation pages, or you go online and you check what it is, and you find out, oh, well, that's not exactly what you told me. It's different than what you remembered it to be. Well, it may have been five years or 10 years since you actually looked at it. Things have changed, and your recollection could have very well changed. So an example of this, this goes back a few years, but this uh, one article that was originally in the Washington Post, uh, pension pickle is what it's called, broke widower loses $1 million to in-law. So a Brooklyn man says he was left destitute when his late wife's pension, worth nearly a million dollars, was awarded to his sister-in-law on a technicality and is hoping the state's highest court will hear his case. I lost the best thing that ever happened to me, said Bruce Friedman, 61, of his late wife, Anne. I had no idea there was a question I wasn't the beneficiary. The Friedmans were happily married for nearly 20 years when Anne, a former city school principal, died suddenly of a massive heart attack in September 2001. Friedman said he never doubted he'd be entitled to the lump sum payment of $900,862 because the teacher's retirement system sent out annual statements that indicated his wife had named no beneficiary. That would make him, as her closest relative, the beneficiary. But after she died, officials found a form which had been filled out 27 years ago, four years before the couple met on a 1978 blind date. It indicated Anne's mother, uncle, and sister should collect. Anne's mother and uncle died, so the money was awarded to the sister, Virginia McLaughlin, and Friedman complains that she won't give him a cent. Duh, <laughs> he didn't, she didn't have to. I think Anne would just be shocked, said Friedman, adding that he's just making ends meet. Virginia won't sit down with me or my attorney. I'm just baffled. McLaughlin declined to comment. A Manhattan Supreme Court ruling held that Anne's intentions of making her husband the beneficiary could not be assumed and that the paperwork on file was clear, said Joseph Harbison of the Corporation's Counsel's Office, which is representing the retirement system. We feel we're complying with the law as it stands. The Supreme Court decision was upheld by the appellate division in December. Friedman said he wants to go to the Court of Appeals because all I know is it's my last chance. Friedman's lawyer, Sanford Young, described last month's decision as sobering and added, added had some advice for all couples. Make sure you update your pension beneficiary forms. If you don't, your spouse and fam family may wind up with nothing. So it was interesting, though, that the statements that they sent out every year showed no beneficiary. You would think that would have had some kind of bearing on the ruling. but uh, And I haven't seen any follow-ups on this, whether or not he actually went to the Court of Appeals and, and had anything happen since then that got him any money. That's been uh, quite a few years ago now. But some of those rules still apply that no beneficiary right now, the, the spouse... Your spouse is beneficiary uh, unless you had actually named somebody specifically. And nowadays, if you if you do that, want to do that, your spouse, current spouse, has to sign a form saying it's okay for you to do that, so they would be aware of that. So there are some some uh, protections in place, but it's uh, it's important. As I I remember uh, Warren Schmidt, who used to teach with me at all the Milliken uh, pre-retirement and financial planning workshops we taught there for years, decades. Uh, he would talk about the situations that they came across in the benefits department when somebody passed away and trying to figure out who the beneficiary was 
when uh, somebody died and all these different people would come up and say, I'm a spouse, I'm the spouse, I'm the spouse. And they, he had some really good stories and they made for an interesting um, seminar presentation, but it still did also just remind you that, boy, you better make sure the pension that your, your beneficiary designations are, are correct. The question, if your will leaves your IRA to your spouse, but your IRA beneficiary names your children or an ex-spouse who gets the money. All right. So we're going to be talking about that as we as we go along here because it's important to understand the difference between all these different contracts like a life insurance policy, a 401k IRA that has a contract, essentially a beneficiary designations versus the the will that has how you name who you want to get which money. And of course, you've got your primary beneficiary and you've got your contingent beneficiary. And and typically when somebody sets up a a will, they'll set up so that it says, "Okay, my my wife is going to get my money." So if my wife dies or after she dies, then we want to split it up to our kids. But our kids are minors, so we don't want our children to get the money all at once. We want them to get it over time. So it's very common for wills to say, I'll, I'll take care of my health support and maintenance for my child until they get to be an, an adult. And then I want to give them the money in stages. So I'll give them like a third when they're 25. I'll give them maybe another third when they're 35. And the other third I want to give when I feel like they can really handle the money, maybe 55 or 60. And, you know, that, that sounds a little facetious, but it takes that long for some people to to get that way. I remember having a prospective client come in uh, years ago. I cli- actually, they became a client. And I asked them that question, how do you want, uh, how would you like the money to be dispersed? And he said, uh, I, I, and I asked him about the emotional and financial maturity of his children. He said, well, I have one son. He said he's, uh, I think, uh, very emotionally mature. There's no problem there. But financially, he's not mature at all. And I don't think um, he's ready to, to get all this money. Well, when you realize that the person I was talking to was in his 80s and his son was in his 60s. So it's like, okay, so when is your son going to be able to, be, to handle this money financially? And, and, and some people get that age and they still can't. Um, but your will states those certain things, and that's, that's very common how that works. Uh, but then you have your IRAs, and the IRAs may say, okay, I get my spouse as the primary beneficiary, but my contingent beneficiary is going to be my children. And you put the same son in there as a child, but you're thinking, okay, because I have in my will that they're going to get it over time, well, then they're going to get it over time. But that's not the way it works. So an IRA beneficiary, a life insurance beneficiary, your annuity beneficiary, your transfer on death, payable on death beneficiary, those avoid probate. That also means they avoid your will. They don't pass through your will. So whatever instructions you give in your will doesn't matter, doesn't count. And I think I could say this the rest of the show, maybe every five minutes, and it still may not sink in, that people don't understand that your beneficiary designations are a separate contract apart from your will. And many people, their largest asset is going to be, other than their house, is is their 401k. And there's not much else there that's going to pass through the will because this big chunk of money is in their 401k 
ultimately may be in a rollover IRA and it's sitting out there with a named beneficiary. You don't want to name the estate as beneficiary because if you name the estate as beneficiary, the taxes are going to have to be paid out much faster, although not as fast as uh, not as uh, fast as it used to be because now that the new rulings say that essentially most people are going to have to pay out those IRAs within 10 years and it used to be that you could do it over somebody's lifetime, but the estate's still within five years. So you still have to pay it out about twice as fast as you would if you if you name the estate as beneficiary. So you don't really want to do that. You want to name whomever it is that you want. But then, of course, maybe you don't want the child like this. You don't want the children to get the money all at once. So there's got to be some ways that you can set those things up and maybe have a trust as a beneficiary to help, to help minimize the amount of of money the person has access to and really trying to protect themselves all right we've got a lot more to talk about of course we'll be right back with the second half of talking money in just a couple of minutes ronald blue trust is pleased to sponsor talking money ronald blue trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear bondage and conflict they want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions live generously and leave a lasting legacy as a trust company ronald blue trust advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. We're coming up at about 25 minutes before the hour. So glad you're with us. 877-235-9405 is the text line and phone line. Love to hear from you. And as a reminder, those listening as a podcast, you need to send your questions to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. If you send that during the show, I may get it at a break, but I may not. We'll answer that at a on a future show, or I'll, I'll just reply to your question, depending on what kind of question it is. But we're here to answer your questions, and that's what makes it uh, more interesting for me, for interesting for the listeners. Do we want to hear specific situations where you've got a question and how to best handle it in your situation? That's what we want to, that's what we want to hear about today. Talking about beneficiaries here, so whether it's your life insurance, your 401k, your IRA, your annuities, whether even, say, a regular brokerage account or even a bank account, uh, most people don't realize, don't seem to realize that they can add a beneficiary on your brokerage account or just a bank account. So do you have a, uh, instead of having a just joint checking account or you just have a checking account in your own name or a savings account in your own name, you can say, well, okay, if something happens to me, I don't want it to go through probate. So I'll name a beneficiary. So you do a transfer and death beneficiary form on that account. But you got to remember any kind of beneficiary, whether it's a payable on death, transfer on death or any of these insurance or IRAs, any of those beneficiary designations are separate from your estate documents. So your will document is in your trust. They may say, I want this 
this money to be handled this way is not going to happen if it goes directly to that person or that entity as part of a beneficiary designation. So you've got to be real careful about that. Don't mess up your whole estate plan. We've seen estate plans, people that have spent thousands of dollars going to the attorney, getting all this uh, great um, documents set up and only to look into all the ownership arrangements and the beneficiary arrangements and find out, well, it's all these estate documents aren't going to do you any good or they're going to do you minimal good because you didn't set up the documents correctly, the assets correctly to coincide with the estate documents. Uh, and I think all the attorneys that we work with, we typically recommend for every client that when we're going to update their estate documents that we go with them to the attorney, the estate attorney, to be in those meetings so that we can help coordinate all the things that need to be coordinated. And we can also help the attorney because we typically know the client better than the attorney does because we've met with the client more often. So when the attorney is, is suggesting a particular type of, of document, particular type of strategy, we can then help the client decide whether or not that is the best strategy for them because we know their situation. We know what their goals are. Uh, oftentimes, we know the kids, the grandkids. We know the family so that we can help the attorney. And the attorneys love to have us there. It doesn't bother them to have us there. Uh, the ones we work with want us there because it helps make their job a lot easier to make sure all the documents are, are done correctly. They're still going to do their documents, and we're deferring to, to them to make sure the documents are drafted correctly because I've been in situations where we've been with uh, attorneys who were supposedly good estate tax attorneys, estate planning attorneys, and we would read the document and say, well, we've got some real concerns here about how this is drafted. And uh, in one case, I'm remembering where they had one um, nephew, I think it was, niece or nephew, that was going to get a lot of money for their education and going to get a bulk of the money from this person's estate. But there wasn't anything in there that said anything about, well, what happens if the child, this child, niece or nephew, does not go to school? What's going to happen to the money? Is it going to go to somebody else? Is it supposed to be given away? What's going to happen? There was no provisions in there. So the attorney that drafted it was sitting there in our office, and we asked, you know, what what about this? This seems like a concern. And uh, they basically responded to us by saying, well, how would you like it drafted? Well, that's that's not our job. And so you want to make sure that you work with an attorney, a tax attorney who does estate planning, an estate planning attorney who knows what they're doing. And there's there's a number of them in the, in the upstate. And, and I'm sure there are wherever you're listening in Georgia and Western North Carolina, there's some good attorneys around. But just make sure that's not just a, an attorney that happens to do wills on the side because uh, it's too important. And I think oftentimes they charge the same thing as the person who, who uh, is the specialist in that. Because they know they can, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, you need to get with somebody who, who knows what they're doing. So talking about the beneficiary designations. And I essentially just wrote down thoughts as they came to my, my mind. So I'll go through these as, as I've written them down. Uh, one of the things to remember is that you can't change the beneficiary after you die. <laughs> that seems obvious, but no. I mean, there's been stories of people that said, well, that's not who I intended. Or my will said this, and that that's not who I wanted to have my beneficiary. So it's it's irrevocable. It's not irrevocable until you, die, until you die. And that is one of the nice things about beneficiary designations, that you can change them free, typically. It doesn't cost anything to change a beneficiary if you change your mind on something. If you change, if you have all of your 
assets being passed by your will or trust and you want to change something in there, well, then it costs money to go to the attorney and get the addendum changed and amendments and so forth. Well, if the beneficiary part, well, you don't have to worry about that because it uh, is this happens. So let's let's say that uh, as an example, that you have a um, a widow that dies and and died, let's say suddenly. Well. If they have not changed, so if they if their spouse had died, and this actually happened to, to us once, unfortunately it, it was protected. But you have the primary owner of a an IRA die, and they have the spouse named as beneficiary. And they may have their children named as contingents and so forth. All right. But if the surviving spouse doesn't take that over and then rename the beneficiaries, because it's now her IRA. All right. If she never does that, takes it over as her own IRA, names her own beneficiaries, it's still the name of the deceased person. Now there's no widow anymore for that money to go to. Now we've got the contingents that says it's going to go through. And then you've got a lot of different administrative hassles trying to figure out, okay, where is this supposed to go to, especially if the beneficiaries were going to be different from one spouse to the other. We don't know that. Uh, so it's very important when one spouse passes away and the IRA is inherited by the surviving spouse that that spouse go ahead and take it over as their own IRA and rename the beneficiaries however they want to. It's just much, much cleaner to do that than it would be just to let it ride and, and oh, yes, I meant to do that. We were going to do that, but we just never did. So you want to make sure that happens. All right, another example. Let's say that uh, you get a phone call from an attorney that says, hey, this uh, aunt that you really didn't know very well passed away and uh, left you $100,000. Uh, so the first question, and I've asked this question in my workshops a lot, said first question is, all right, how much in, in taxes am I going to have to pay on this $100,000 that she's given me? And I'd get all kind of answers on that from people in the audience uh, not understanding how all this works. And the answer is zero. You pay no income taxes. It's just a gift. This is not an IRA. This is just a gift that comes. You have. You don't have to pay any gift taxes. You don't pay any income taxes. You don't pay anything. It was a gift to you. Now, the the estate that gave it to you, your long lost aunt. Now, if the estate was large enough, which nowadays is very hard for it to be that large, 2025, it may be different. But right now, it's hard to, most estates aren't going to be larger than 23 or so million. So the, there's no estate tax there and no gift tax is coming as death and and the assets are coming if even if it was let's say a brokerage account that had a lot of stocks in it well the rule of step up and basis is still in effect president biden's trying to change that but right now it has not been changed you still have the step up and basis which means that at death the person who receives the money their cost basis for tax purposes is the same as the price or value at the date of death. So someone might have paid, let's say, $10,000 for some stock, and it's now worth $100,000, It and it passes by way of an estate to the heir, then the heir sells it. Let's say it's worth $100,000 when they die. They sell it for $100,000. There's no income tax because there's a step. The income tax is essentially wiped out. It's, it's one, I wouldn't say one of the best ways, but it is a way to defer the income taxes on gains because of that rule of the step up and basis. And so it can be a real estate property. It can be stocks. It can be pretty much anything except for 
qualified type plans or IRAs. Those do not get stepped up in basis. Annuities do not get a step up in basis. It would, if, and even a variable annuity that had stocks in it is not going to get a step up in basis. Those stocks won't. They have to be outside the annuity to do that. The annuities get tax deferral, but then when somebody passes on, then the taxes are due at that time. Of course, if it's in an IRA, the annuities in an IRA, it's all taxable just like any other IRA is taxable. Um, just have to be careful with all those things. So when that aunt leaves that money to you, then it's going to be tax free, which is which is kind of nice. You just have to know which way to do it. But if she leaves you uh, an IRA, then there's different situations. Now you're going to have to start taking that money out. And and the way the rules are, most people there are some exceptions, but most people are going to have to take it out over a ten year period. So essentially, take one tenth of it out over the next ten years, whether you want it or need it or not. If it's a traditional IRA, then you'll pay taxes on it if it's a Roth IRA then of course you don't have to pay taxes on it but this money still needs to be be distributed okay so we want to talk a little bit about disinheriting a grandchild we'll talk about some this week and maybe uh next week as well we want to make sure you don't do that and a lot of other things that have to do with beneficiaries whether it's joint ownership tenants in common versus joint with right of survivorship and all kind of fun things like that we'll be right back This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust as the sponsor of Talking Money. As a trust company with clients in all 50 states, Ronald Blue Trust can serve as trustee, backup trustee, or even personal representative, what we used to call the executor or executrix. This can be a valuable service, especially if you'd like to pass on your values and not just your valuables to your heirs. Your heirs will probably have one of two perspectives. Either they will say something like, what am I going to inherit? Which is usually the common perspective. Or they will ask, what is going to be entrusted to me? What talents will I be responsible to manage? Tim Kimmel, director of Family Matters, said it well. Quote, you can't leave character to your trust account. You can't write your values into the will. You can't bank traits like courage, honesty, and compassion in a safe deposit box. What we need is a plan a long-term strategy to convey our convictions to the next generation, unquote. Estate and trust planning are about much more than saving taxes or simply making sure your assets get transferred efficiently to your children. You can find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-PLAN. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And we'd love to speak to you at the office at uh, 800-588-7526 is the number you can call at, uh, at at Ronald Blue Trust here in Greenville if you want to just have a quick conversation about whether or not uh, some of the things that we do can help you uh, be a better steward of the resources God has allowed you to oversee while you're here on this earth. Uh, I, planning is our, our specialty. We do, I think, a, a good job at managing assets. We, as a firm, manage over $11 billion. Um, and we've got a great team that helps do that. But I think where the, the real value added comes in is on the financial planning side of things, the tax planning, estate planning, beneficiary planning that like we're talking about today. Those are the kind of things. And, and people just don't know what you don't know. And, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to pay any fees. To, well, yeah, well, our, our goal, of course, is to have the fees that are more than made up for by uh, the the way we handle and help advise on the financial planning side of things. Uh, and, and then also be there in case something happens to you. A lot of 
new prospects come in because they say, well, I'm used to handling this myself, but I want to make sure that if something happens to me, I have somebody that I, that I can really trust to help my surviving spouse uh, take over these things and help with the final affairs and, and help continue uh, their lifestyle and, and have somebody on their side has their back, so to speak. So we'd love to have that conversation with you. And uh, we always have that conversation over the phone first to see if it seems like we'll be a good fit and would be a value added to you. Uh, but that number, 800-588-7526, or send me that quick email to mike at talkingmoneyradio.com. We know we're not for everybody. We're not uh, in here in this business to try to get everybody that comes through that door. We're not selling annuities. We're not, you know, we won't make that that uh, square annuity fit in that round hole. It just doesn't, we just don't do that. Um, so we're here uh, your best interest when we were planned first we were fiduciaries now we're on blue trust we're stronger fiduciaries as a trust company there's even more oversight and more uh, fiduciary restrictions that um over government control than there is uh, there was before uh, which is hard to believe because we th- felt like there were a lot of restrictions before but now the as a trust company there's there's even uh, tighter controls on that because of custody of assets and so forth but we'd love to have that conversation with you so talking about beneficiaries, uh, whether it's your life insurance, 401k, IRA, annuities, uh, transfer and death account, whatever it is, it's very important to know what those beneficiary designations are, not just guess, not just assume. Uh, a lot of companies now will let you go online and see what those beneficiaries are. You'll see it written down there. Uh, as in that story that I read earlier, they got statements that said there was no beneficiaries when there actually was a beneficiary. So, you know, double check if you're pretty sure there is one. And I just wouldn't assume if it says no beneficiary, I'd want to put my name down there as beneficiary, but my spouse should want her, his or her name as beneficiary on that to, to actually name it. Because uh, we know of situations where somebody had named a former spouse as named beneficiary and never changed it, got remarried. And, and then when they passed on, guess who got the money? It was that former spouse. And that's, uh, that's not usually a very happy thing for the current spouse to find out about after your death. That's not what you want to happen. So what about um, grandchildren? And what about this, this one Italian, uh, not Italian, one Latin phrase that I know called per stirpes? That's far from Italian. Per stirpes would be a Latin phrase that's used in, in most will documents. It's not used as often in beneficiary designations. Uh, we use it a lot in ours, but it's it's some of those things that you have to, to know about so that you take advantage of it. So let's say you have a situation where you have a, a husband, wife, and three children. And of those three children, one of those children has children, so grandkids. So you typically name your beneficiaries. I name my spouse as the primary. I name my three children as equal contingent beneficiaries. And normally in, in our world, in our lives, the transition happens exactly like that. The husband dies first, the wife dies second, and the kids die after that. Uh, it's, it's not as often that a child predeceases, but it does happen. We all know it does happen. So if that's the way you named your document, so then let's say for whatever reason, let's say maybe the, the husband and wife and the one child with the grandkids are all going someplace. This, this would not be uncommon. They're all going someplace together because they're going to take the grandkids someplace. And there's a horrible accident and all and all the family is, is gone, uh, except for, you know, there's one grandkid that's still at home. That grandkid had something else it was doing because it's older and doing something else. So you've got one grandchild that wasn't there. 
Who's how's the money going to be distributed? Well, the will says it goes to my spouse and then it goes to my three children equally. Well, of the three children, one of those children is gone. So there's only two beneficiaries left. So all the money goes to those two kids per capita to those two surviving children. The one grandchild that was not that survived the accident because they weren't there, or even if one of the children, grandchildren survived the accident, they were not killed in that accident they would be disinherited because the will states that it goes to my three children equally. One child predeceased you or died at the same time, or even if that child died before you and you just never changed the document, then the the children of that one child that passed on is not going to get any of your money. Now, the other surviving children may say, hey, yeah, we know that you wanted them to have the money we're going to provide for them but they don't have to. It's it's not legally required for them to do that. They don't have to do that. So the way to take care of that is the same kind of language that's in your will document. You just add per stirpes to your beneficiary designations. So you say, all right, I want my three children each to get it equally per stirpes. So when you add that language, that, that typically means in most states that if one of the ch- children predeceases you, that their children get their share, whichever children are left. It could be children, it could be grandchildren, it could be great-grandchildren. It keeps on going down the line. That they get those assets. It doesn't all go per capita to the other two that were were left. So it's, it's a simple thing to do, and it helps avoid a lot of hassle later uh, to, to, to go ahead and name each of those children, but name them as persterpes so that their heirs get their part. And if they don't have any heirs, well, that won't matter. But if they have heirs, of course, it'll go to those children and they won't be disinherited. We don't want you to disinherit your grandchildren. We want to make sure that they are are well taken care of as, as you really wanted them to be taken care of. You just didn't set up the designations, beneficiary designations correctly to help take care of that. So that the child then would then have access to that money. They'd have to take it out over their time. And, and because of the rules, it's not as long as it used to be and so forth. But it's still, it's, um, it, it's better than disinheriting them completely. So that's the little language that's called purse terpies. I A funny story, I had an attorney. I saw a document. This is several years ago. But an attorney had written a, a, a legal document for a new client of ours. We read through the document and it had persterpes in there but instead of spelling it persterpes they had it spelled per stripes so it's either they just they and that's how you spell it st instead of ir it was r-i-p-e-s and that's if you're wondering what persterpes is that's how you spell it it's stripes with the i and the r switched around and i don't know if the attorney just didn't know it was a typo that the the clerk did or the attorney didn't really know what Persterpes meant they just knew that they needed to have that language in there. So they put per stripes. So that doesn't have the quite same effect. Now, now, I don't know, legally, maybe they'll still give it to them because they knew it was a typo or something. But um, so you want to look at those documents to make sure that's that is uh, set up correctly so that you make sure that you get the, the, the right people are getting your money. Because that's what we're talking about. Some people have left. I know we've had people that say, well, I'm going to leave it all to this one child. I don't really trust the other children. But I'm going to leave my IRA is all going to go to this one child and all my assets are going to go to this one child. And I've talked to that child and told them I want them at their discretion because they can control the distributions. I want them to then give the money to their brother and sister. 
Well, I can tell you right now, that is not a good combination. That is not a good situation to be in to put that one son in that in that predicament. Plus, that son is going to be the one that for an IRA, for instance, they're going to, have to take the money out of their IRA, pay the pay the taxes at their bracket, and they can they can reduce the amount that they give to their brother or sister based on the taxes that they had that they had to pay. But that means everybody gets less. So it's much better to have it go directly to the the people that you want it to go to. So next week, we'll talk about, all right, what if you don't want it to go to them all at once? How can you set up an IRA beneficiary to be paid out over time? What about the joint ownership with right of survivorship or tenants in common? What is about joint ownership versus a beneficiary? That helps avoid probate, doesn't it? Is that something we should do instead? Who should you not name as a beneficiary? Second marriages with own children and as beneficiary. How to, and what about a an in-law, a daughter-in-law, son-in-law? How are they fitting in this whole picture? All that and more on the next Talking Money next Saturday. Thanks for listening to us. Just uh, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week for the next Talking Money. Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested.